Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. Touchdown. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. Yes! It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Good morning and welcome to a Sunday edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with Matt. Hi, Pete. Uh, and we've changed venues because... Um, we brought the podcast to you today. So we're shooting from Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, uh, in lovely surroundings today, um, but with, with a, a lovely story to talk about. Arsenal's crazy week uh, climaxed on a high. It did, it did. Climax uh, on a high is not really a, a way of describing something, right? Climax is a high. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a good day. It was a good day. It wasn't a great day. It was a good day. Um, and the only thing that really stopped it from being a great day for me was the very bad-looking injury to Hector Bellerin. Because um, I just love that guy. T- tell us exactly what the injury looks like it's called, because it doesn't sound very good, and I've never heard of it before today. Someone who I don't know said on Twitter that it is a quad uh, quad thigh something-something. Anyway, I did a bit of research, and it sounds like it's worse than an ACL. That's de- that's um, depressing. Yeah, we'll we'll find it shortly when we go a bit more into that. But that really took the gloss off it. Um, but it was a good performance. We are back in the running for fourth, and you know it's going to be a pretty tight tight run thing. It's a th- I think it's a three horse race, maybe four, depending on how uh, how Spurs get on uh, without Harry Kane, and they managed to jam it today in the last minute. But um, 
Deli Ali, did he pick up a hamstring injury? He picked up a hamstring injury. He did. Great news. Did. That with Kane not back for until March. Yeah. Son is injured. Yeah. All, all unraveling at the yeah. Spurs. So, so they got the win today, but you could definitely see that they're going to struggle without uh, without Kane. And if they haven't got Ali either, then uh, we'll have to maybe we'll go into a bit more detail on their their lineup. But it's a three horse race, and hopefully we can put a dent in United's belief come Friday. I think the great thing about uh, this weekend is it showed that outside Liverpool and City, uh, everybody competing for that top four. Uh, with the, the you know third and fourth have potentially big problems that you know you don't know where it's going to go. Like I I I still don't believe that today signalled that Arsenal are going to make the top four, but um, it definitely suggests that it's not going to be uh, plain sailing for the rest of the season. Which really, if you're honest, at the start of um, at the end of last weekend, you kind of felt look at we're looking like a sixth place team. Um, still could happen, but I, th- I think the most exciting thing about this uh, this game uh, this weekend was when Emery picks the right team, sets up properly. Uh, he can really make a go of uh, a go of it against any side. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think well taking those points one by one. I think there's a cigarette paper in terms of the difference between Arsenal, Chelsea, and Manchester United for all different reasons. I said at the beginning when we lost 3-2 to Chelsea that I think Arsenal and Chelsea are basically the same level of team right now. They've got completely different problems, but they've, you know, you sort of wish you could mold the two teams together because yes. you know, they're yeah. a team with all the things that we haven't got and we're a team with all the things they haven't got. What they wouldn't give to have Lacazette and Aubameyang. Oh and what, my, and yeah. what we wouldn't give to have their wide players. Uh, you know, um and you know they've, they've they've still got a lot of quality, so I think it's going to be very tight. And then United are obviously having that great bounce after Solskjaer has come in, but I don't really expect that to last till the end of the season. And I the just... Solskjaer bounce, if you look at it, is a little bit like the Emery unbeaten run. I mean, they yeah, sure they went to Wembley and they beat Spurs, but you know Spurs had twenty one attempts yeah. at their goal. Like I've never seen a goalkeeping performance. Like that, actually, I have seen De Gea perform like that because he did it against Arsenal uh, when we dominated them and he, he kept them in the game. But yeah, I I, I agree. Nobody nobody knows where it's going. It's nobody one, knows. one into one into three or one from three or two from four if Spurs drop off. So it it promises to be at least exciting. And we we what we said on the weekend is that uh, we're not out of it and we're gonna we're gonna be going for fourth till. To the last weekend of the season, I think. Yes. Okay, cool. So, uh, topics that we're going to cover today. I think we can delve into the curious case of Sven Mistentat. A um, bit more further information Ugh. to share with you there. Um, we can talk about the Chelsea game. And then maybe um, we can dig a little bit deeper into the rumblings of uh, the Rouse and Heli uh, era that is about to begin in earnest. Uh, so, we will see you in part two. So at the start of the week, uh, Le Grove landed a world exclusive, an exclusive that drove so much traffic, it crashed my silly little website. Um, the story was uh, uh, about Sven Mislintat leaving Arsenal. So the the background to this story is... Um, You're I got, smiling so much. Because <laughs> it's, it's such a weird, it's such a weird story. But I got... Uh, somebody, um, somebody tweeted me on the Friday 
like a DM, just somebody that I go back and forth with sometimes. And uh, he was like, I've just been, I've just been down the pub and somebody's, somebody's told me that Sven Mislin Tat's leaving. What do you think? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, you know, he's a, he's a what, million and a half pound a year signing. He's barely been in the job a year. I, I, I highly, highly doubt it. And then, um, then I woke up on Monday morning because um, I'd, I'd written two posts. Uh, so I wanted to see. So I was up, I was up fairly early. And then um, uh, somebody on another platform messaged me and they said, oh, I've been told on good authority that Sven Mistentat is leaving. And I was like, it doesn't come from two disconnected people if there's not something uh, in it. So then I, I corroborated it with, uh, with, a, with an Arsenal person and then um, dropped the story. Uh, and then the first one went out. Uh, the first one came in like after, and it was the Independent, and they said that uh, Bayern Munich were in for Sven. And uh, the Independent are actually a pretty shoddy newspaper and you know even in politics and then uh i had it confirmed by a journalist who said yeah this, the story's true but he's not going to buy munich so um rafa honigstein was rafa honigstein was the first person to actually confirm the true guts of the story that like he was indeed leaving the the date might not have been confirmed but as i said in the post like he was definitely on his way out uh, the story from Germany uh, appeared to be that he had uh, he had disagreements uh, with Raul over uh, transfer policy. Raul believing that uh, that you get the best players by knowing all of the agents, and he wants to have like a contacts based approach moving forward. Um, we know from some of the interviews um, the uh, Sven's done in Germany that he's a very analytical guy, like setting up side hustle businesses and like creating new ways to analyze players. Um, like he's more of a Guendozi, uh, Torreira type guy. Um, Raul is uh, more of like a seasoned pro. Like there's no, it's not surprising that we're sniffing around Suarez, James Rodriguez, and uh, and Carrasco. And then there was uh, and then there was another story that came out. Um, Sammy Mockbell of the Daily Mail, who who I I feel gave uh, more of an English side of the story because um, uh, I've been told that Sammy Mockbell is like incredibly well connected. Like he's the heir to David Ornstein. Like Ornstein is the king. Sammy Mockbell's got like 20,000 followers. I've got no, why, no idea why because he gets some salacious stuff. Um, and he came out and he said uh, what I'd heard as well, that actually behind the scenes, Sven wasn't really present um, I don't think he impressed the other scouts in and around the club. And um, like, there's a, a few threads to this story which are interesting because firstly, Raul has moved on. There's a coup, like you said, Matt. Uh, Raul, has, he's seized power of the club inside a year, which is Game of Thrones-esque. Um, but then the, the other side of the story is that uh, Sven was hired on the promise of getting the technical director's job uh, when Arsene Wenger went. Um, but from what I understand... Well, they approached Edu and now Edu's turned it down. Well, but originally the job was supposed to go to Sven and then they've started approaching other people because um, when Arsene left, the club weren't impressed with what Sven had brought to the table. Clearly didn't think he was qualified uh, qualified to do the job. So he's obviously pissed that he didn't get the job. Then he feels like they're hiring in someone like Edu over him. Then add to that, they're not even listening to his recommendations uh, for, for signings. And, uh, Which is an interesting one because I 
don't know how much, how, what time he gets into the office or how many hours a day or how, many, how quickly he responds to an email. But I do know that he's brought in two incredibly exciting midfielders that have completely re-engineered our first team in, in Torreira and Guendozi for limited funds. And I'm one of those people who believe it's much more about the outputs than the inputs. And therefore, if you're delivering two players like that, isn't that job done for a transfer window? Well, I, I asked um, the, the, the few people that I speak to about um, this sort of thing that, um, that always have interesting opinions. And they were saying, undoubtedly, Sven Mislintat is fucking good at his job and he's better at scouting players than Emery or Raul. Um, but at the same time, you've got to remember he's been scouting players for 10 years or eight years at Dortmund. Like he's got a dossier of players. So it comes back to Arsenal. He know he's known Torreira since he was 18. So picking him up at 22 is easy. He's known about, well, I know that, um, I, I heard from, um, a French person that, I, um, that uh, Wenger was trying to sign, Gwendozi, but I guess that would have been could have been the Sven recommendation anyway because he's been here since January. Anyways, is the 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 commentary on like well he's he's already brought in two good players is like what what, did, what impact did he have outside of picking up players that he probably knew about anyway? Like but, what, but, what process but, 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 did he put in place? But when don't you say you're buying? That's part of the salary is his network and his black book, and it doesn't really matter. No, how, yeah, you know, I, I, mean, I agree. I agree. It's just, it's just. I've I've heard yeah. this story from like a more yeah, of a yeah. Sven faction, yeah, yeah, yeah. and but um, the uh, and, and apparently another big issue. And I know that um, Rafa Honigstein said that he hadn't fallen out with Emery, and he might not have fallen out with Emery. But I heard that it's it's very much a case of uh, he'd lost um, he he'd lost any voice in the room because Emery and Raul Raul are in lockstep about player transfers. So it's it's clear that like Emery's preference in players, like he's he wants to be seen as a big time manager. Emery, um, for all the good work that he did at Sevilla, moved to PSG, got a taste of the high life. He doesn't want to be messing around tr- like trying to coach players from nothing to something. He'll want to be hitting that Champions League as quick as he can. So you've got uh like you you've you've been stuffed by Ivan Gazidis from start to finish. He didn't put in a good succession plan. Um he hired um probably hired the wrong sporting director in Raul because Raul is from Barcelona knows nothing about the hustle of working on a budget and then they've hired in a manager who's tasted the PSG high life so those two are locked in and there's a reason that you're seeing rumors that James Rodriguez, Denis Suarez and uh, Yannick Carrasco are being linked because they feel like big name players you know like they're they're a bit more glamorous they've uh, they've got more experience whereas you would suspect that Sven was trying to unearth the gems like the Dembele's or, you know, like, the, Pepe. Oh, yeah, Pepe, um, uh, you know, uh, Sa, um, who plays for Ren, like those, those types of players. So now, now we've moved on Sven and he's off. Now we're in like really murky territory because you've given the keys of the club to like one, a sporting director who's never proven his chops anywhere outside Barcelona, which is kind of a machine. It's been it's been a machine that's been running itself for years. Like, and from what I you know, I think I think Raúl is a political beast. Uh, so, like, how much how much is actual achievements 
uh, in his time at Barcelona versus uh, how much is it just that he knew how to play the game. And Emery, like regardless of what he's done at the weekend, um, his choices of players at PSG were not impressive. Um, the choices of players that he's apparently looking at over here. I mean, going hard for Denis Suarez and Eva Banega uh, is disappointing. I watched Eva Banega at the weekend. Okay player, but he's not moving us forward. And um, so you're you're trusting you're trusting your future to two people that don't really like for me don't have the chops to move Arsenal to the next level. I think Emery is a good manager. He's won the Europa League. But, um, you know, you can flip that on its head. Like, how did, how did he stay in the Europa League every time? Though Sometimes it's because he didn't qualify for the Champions League and he dropped out. Like, you know, it's, it's, there's ways of um, serving this up. So, uh, in, in short, I think, as you rightly pointed out last week, I think Ivan's left us in a deeply distressing position but you know when you look at uh the mess that Arsenal are in at the moment like maybe Ivan was looking at the scenario and he was like uh there's going to be no investment in the club I think I fucked up uh like with the with the people that I've brought in at the highest level my chief scout can't be bothered to work uh, uh Raul uh isn't going to deliver what I need and then he saw the opportunity to take a, an equity stake in Milan where, uh, where it couldn't get any worse uh, so he's going to go there make a shit ton of money have complete control over the direction of the club the absolute slap in the face this week was that he he overruled uh, Maldini in signing Ozil because he doesn't work very hard and he's overpaid and she's just like oh my god so what uh, so I felt like this this weekend took the edge off a terrible week, but uh, looking bigger picture, I, I don't I don't know where this is going. Things things change very quickly though in football, and I think uh, I was all doom and gloom, and I was texting with some Chelsea friends, and I was saying, you know, I fully expect you guys to win. And all that with Chelsea actually not being a particularly dissimilar team to ours, but I was convinced they would win. And actually, when the game started, we still have a have a lot of quality. A lot of the doom and gloom is about what's going to happen rather than what has happened. So a lot of the doom and gloom at the moment is about Aaron Ramsey and yeah, how we managed agree. to let, and managed to let him go. But he's still currently an Arsenal player and delivering performances, which is almost making it worse. It was easier when he wasn't in the team and we were on that long unbeaten run and we didn't need him. Now that we need him and he's playing well. And you know how Arsene Wenger used to stumble across these sort of formations that work better than others and... I feel like we've stumbled across one, um, the current one that started against Chelsea. We stumbled across it in the second half against Spurs, which was essentially um, playing Aubameyang and Lacazette. Yeah. Almost 4-4-2, both quite wide. Um, and then four at the back. Yeah. Because Mustafi's so bad, basically. And yeah. That's the real reason. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the way we're, the, the team is structured, it, we, it just looks like the right formation for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I loved seeing Ramsey on Jorginho. I mean... That's like the, ruining his life. That was... <laughs> he looked utterly bereft of ideas, as he has done for a few games now. Uh, Jorginho. Um, I don't know. Who, who was it? Was it Kante in a more advanced position? Well, William on the wrong side. Hazard uh, playing a false nine with no one able to run in behind him. And redu- like it was it, good tactics from memory, like reducing um, reducing Chelsea to the to 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 the wide areas of the pitch. Like the, the, you're never gonna you're never gonna get Hazard on the end of a header. I almost wondered why they didn't start with Giroud 
like bat, battle axe striker. Well, they knew how much uh, how much he loves Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, maybe he didn't look very happy. though, did he? He uh, did not look happy sitting on that bench. Uh, but yeah, um, what did you think? Well, um, I think we should move into uh, part three because oh, I can hear your, I, can, I can hear your baby making noise uh, because obviously she wants to hear what's going on in here. Uh, so we will join you in part three of the pod. So Emery, um, I, th- I feel like Emery uh, maybe reads his own press because uh, it looked very much like he had a reaction to some of the criticisms he was getting uh, in the press conference. He welcomed uh, Meza Ozil back to the bench, which, um, you know, whether he played or not, is uh, a good psychological boost for the team. Like, I think everybody at Arsenal knows that he's a good player. Um, David Ornstein said that he's working harder in training. Um, he gets on well with his teammates and he's really putting in an effort. So great to see Meza back. Uh, he reintroduced Aaron Ramsey, like as you just said, uh, 4-4-2. Um, Ramsey at the t- the tip of the diamond, uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang playing like slightly wider positions, and uh, I, like my I thought he was, it, I was hoping that he wasn't going to go toe to toe with Chelsea. How often do you see another team come to the Emirates and have sixty five percent of the possession? So Emery, we were like Chelsea. Yeah, we we roles reversed, right? Yeah. Um, and I was speaking to somebody else today, and they were like, Chelsea didn't have any aggression or any of the aggression or you know the edge that they used to have. Me of? Who? Arsenal. <laughs> yes. It reminded me of Arsenal because they're actually pretty tidy on the ball. Uh, most of the possession, a little bit unlucky, like Alonso hit the post, and it just all felt very Arsenal where you could, you could look at it from the end and go, oh, we were actually a bit unlucky. We had most of the possession. We had some good chances. It just wasn't our day. The opposition scored like a brilliant goal in Lacazette. Yeah. Um, but, but it's like when we used to get done by Chelsea, the reality is it was never really in any doubt yesterday because of the difference in intensity between the two teams. And right from the off, we, were, we had a level of intensity that they couldn't handle. And I don't know what's happening there with, with, with them and their intensity. They... Obviously, something going on because Sarri alluded to it, but it was a very Arsenal-like performance from Chelsea, and uh, it was good to see. Good to see that we were we were on on it from minute one. You know, the easy thing to then go is go, what the hell were we doing at the London Stadium last week? Because that was just such a stupid defeat. If we had three more points, then you know we're above Chelsea. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think that. Um... Uh, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six players, uh, six, six Chelsea players in the top six passes of the game. Only Socrates and Granite Jacker um, are in the, the top 10 yesterday. So we really did sit back. Like Even when you look at um, up front, our most, uh, our most potent forward player yesterday was uh, Kashoni with one goal and two shots on target. <laughs> so it was kind of like exactly the sort of game... Um, Exactly the sort of game that you want, and uh, arguably, um, we could have been three or four up in, inside the first twenty minutes. Like that was by far the best first half that we've had all season. Yeah, uh, it was like we were against Spurs um, before they pegged us back in that first half. But um, what a difference it makes to have Lauren Kishoni, uh a decent centre half, playing. We haven't had a decent centre half player in quite a while. 
I mean, Rob Holding was doing okay. He's doing pretty good. But Lauren Koscielny, when he's playing well, is still a very good player. Yeah, it, uh, that performance reminded me a little bit of um, Per Mertesacker in the FA Cup final against Chelsea, where he dropped that unbelievable performance just because of experience, knowing where to stand. Um, I, I wonder whether he's just back to full fitness now. Yeah. Like, does he have the ability to maintain that form at Cardiff in midweek? Like, or like, do, do we play him against Cardiff? And because then we've got a big game against Man United. You're like, hey, no, how, do, how do you how do you manage his fitness? I know earlier on in uh, when he when he came back, he was saying that you know he was telling the coach that he couldn't play um, too many games in succession, but um, maybe he's out. Uh, maybe he's out the back end. Um, so uh, a real a real positive um, a real positive start. We went two up into um, into the next half. Uh, that's the second time that we've taken a lead. But we're, we're playing Cardiff. We're not playing Cardiff midweek. Uh, no, after ne- a week on Wednesday. Oh, a week on Wednesday. A week on so, so United on Friday, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, United United on Friday. So I guess uh, Emery has just got to make sure that he uses Kashoni sparingly. Yeah. Um, because um, I think we're uh, we're going to struggle. So interesting that a, a lot of our um, injuries this season have come in defence. Yeah, I mean, like uh, so. It, I mean, it's a blend of uh, you know our defense is quite old in in, in places, but uh, it just seems odd. It seems like it, like every other week, someone from our defense is picking up. Like a, maybe they just don't want to play anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, who who were your star players? Um, well, let's go from the back. I mean, uh, Leno was he he didn't really have a shot to save, did he? Uh, he had a, he, he sort of looked pretty solid. I mean, I did. I was. I tell you who I was impressed by, uh, Kepper. Kepper, yeah, yeah. I mean, good on the ball. That amazing shot uh, stop from Koscielny. Uh, oh, he did well to stand up so tall, I mean, didn't he? Brilliant save, I thought. Uh, and he just looks like a really good player. So it did make me think. Oh God, have we just got like another sort of slightly average goalkeeper rather than someone who can be our goalkeeper number one for ten years? But we'll see. We'll see. It's too early, and he's he, Leno's done all right. Hector Bellerin, fantastic again. I mean, the guy is on fire, was on fire. He's now probably out for nine months. It's really sad. And I've got to say, Kolasinac is, he's had a good season. He's had a really good season. Um, He brings so much to us going forward. Yeah. He loves, he loves running. And um, he's tough. yeah, he's uh, he's not a bad tackler. I mean, was it, who did he wipe out? Who did he wipe out on the edge of the box? Was that yeah. Kalasanak that did that? Yeah, where he just clattered yeah. across Pedro or someone yeah. like that. Yeah, like he fell off him like a rag doll. Uh, so I'm really liking him. Socrates did his usual. Socrates is slightly annoying in that sense for me because I feel like when it's great, when it, when we're winning games, it's great. But other times, it's like. Well, the yeah, he's you know, he's a, a crowd pleaser, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. a bit Vinnie Jones ish. Yeah, in some of the things that he, he does. He's a bit basic, but um, but look, when he's doing it and we're winning and it's a decent sized game, then I like it. And Kashani, obviously, my man of the match. Um, and then in the midfield, Gwendozi. It's great to because I love that guy. I love Gwendozi. Yes, it's great to see him have a good game and play well and. It's know, Barney, Barney Renee said, what did he, he goes, he's an arsehole and he's exactly what you want. He's, and it, I find it so frustrating and certain sections of the Arsenal fan base that were very much on board with Wenger's mediocrity over the last 10 years and very much on board with trying to search out talent where there was none with players like Danielson and Nick, Nicholas Bedner uh, are 
so uh, aggressively anti uh, Gwendozi. I think the, the kid is 19 years old. Uh, like, sure, he's rough around the edges. Sure, he makes does makes some rash decisions. But I tell you, if he continues at the pace uh, of growth that he's going at, he's going to be he's going to be some player in three or four years' time. I love him. I love him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that he would be the man to move on Granite Jacker at some point, but I don't think that they're... Granite's there. not going anywhere. I don't think. I, well, yeah, I, I hope not. I, I struggle to see how the club can look at the mistakes that Granite makes. Um, I've got to say, I'm sort of beginning to change my tune on oh, Granite Jacker. No, no. Uh, I don't think he's the answer, but I think we've got bigger problems. And for now, like, I'm fine with him being in the first team. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right there. You know, he's, he's he's a solid player who you can rely on to do a job. Oh, I don't know whether you can rely on him. I think you can rely on him to make uh, a car crash mistake in every game. But he was um he, he was he was good yesterday. He was good yesterday, and he, he um I think with a little bit more coaching of his decision making, like it's quite like the things that go the things that you miss when he tries a fifty yard pass and he doesn't need to, and it's just like a little bit of awareness. Well, and I know you hate this, and I know, but. I know he got the keys to his house. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he is beginning to step up and show some leadership, I think, in the, in the team. And he he looks like a, a leader on the pitch to me. I, yeah, I'm, I, I can't... The, the reason I, I can... You can look like a leader on a pitch, but I think when you make as many dumb mistakes as he does, I think it's very difficult to be taken seriously as a leader. Like, you, the, you, you can lead as a, as a man, but you also have to lead by example, by not doing stupid things all the time. I don't think that he has... Um, I don't think he takes enough... Well, it's hard to say he doesn't take enough responsibility. I just think he's a bit of a donut. <laughs> I think they, after three seasons, being 26 years old, he is always going to be a donut. But I'm willing to forgive this weekend because uh, everything was great. So here's... Um, Ramsey, is there any way we can get him to stay? Uh, no. No. It's done. Uh, I think he's got a huge signing on fee. I think he's going to be living in Torino, uh, lapping up that, uh, that that beautiful Italian lifestyle. He's going to play in a team that's definitely going to win the league. They're going to sign, like he's going to get to play with Ronaldo. Uh, Godin might be going there. Uh, they're, they're trying to make a go for the Champions League. And from what I understand uh, from people that speak more sense than me is that like Juve win either way here. Like if, if it works out, they've got a great player, but ideally they'll probably want to send him back to the premier league for 40 million, uh, the season after. So, uh, he'll probably end up a, a big club that's looking to bring a homegrown player back into the side. He's made an, he's made an exceptional decision. And what I love about him is, and I know people say it all the time and it doesn't normally mean something, but he has maintained a, a really high element of class about what he's done, hasn't moaned, uh, has, has never dropped uh, I'm off performance like uh, Sanchez did last season, like Ozil does every other game. So uh, gutted that he's going. I just, uh, my concern is that now we don't have Sven Mislintat, you don't have the 21-year-old version of him coming through. You've got Eva Banega with no resale value, ultimately a much worse player. Uh, mooted as a possible replacement. That's the disappointment. Like I've taken so much joy out of Torreira and Guendozi this season, and you're like, where the fuck's that coming from now? Like we've just yeah. we've just given up a guy with a with a good eye for players. That's why it was so painful. Uh, okay, another player that we loved, Lacazette. Oh, oh the guy good. has got so much sauce. It was Bergkamp esque. 
he, it could he, have been Dennis Bergkamp for scoring that goal. He is, you know what I love about him? I feel like he works harder than any striker uh, in the Premier League. Um, he does he does all the dirty work, uh, and you put him in a tight space. And how the fuck how the fuck he found the space to score that goal? And he knew where he was putting it. He knew exactly where he was putting that. And those celebrations, like he's the coolest. Like I start to tell him in my thirties, the coolest player I have ever seen. But he's fucking cool. Well, they were talking about it, and they're going the finish when he knew he had to hit it high, and he like literally leaned back. So the ball would like go in that sort of into the roof of the net like that. Being a ke- keeper as good as Kepper at the near post at like the, that. At the <laughs> near post, after those, it was if Burkamp had scored that, it would be it would be replayed over and over and over again. And he's had a few of those this season. And I just wish we could find a way to have him start every game, finish every game, and play in a favourable position to him because I just feel I, I really feel like. He's one of those players who, if he played every game in the right position, could get 30 goals. Yeah, interested to see his uh, agency yeah. uh, hashtag bye-bye because he gets taken off after 70 minutes every game. I think, though, but realistically, and I know people don't like this, he is the most saleable asset we have uh, this summer. And if we're looking to bring some money in, you can't... I don't think a team that sits in the Europa League can afford to have Aubameyang and Lacazette um, at the club at the same time. Like, if, if, he, if he costs us 55 million, surely he's a 75, 80 million pound player. Is he 27 years old? So um, I, I would expect that Arsenal are considering shipping him on in the summer, especially if they don't... If it, like, if there's a reason that he gets taken off early every game. And I'd imagine it's the same reason uh, uh, Jose Mourinho used to take off uh, Meza Ozil. He's obviously not built for longer than 70 minutes, doesn't have the, the natural fitness. And, you know... Uh, uh, Obama Yang didn't score yesterday, but that bicycle kick was ever so close. It's very unlike him to miss from six yards out early on. Like could have been a could have been a, the Obama Yang story today. So good to see that he's still getting into positions. And well, one of his last ten big chances. Really? Yeah, disappointing. First game. You know what I liked about his performance there yesterday and Lacazette to a certain degree. Watching hard. them tear back, yeah. like running half halfway down the pitch to make a slide tackle. Was it, is it, did Obama Young make a, a really decisive tackle in our in our penalty box? Did I remember that correctly? I'm sure he did. He made yeah, a good slide yeah. tackle at some point. I was like, it's, it's good work. Um, okay, so a lot of um, my narrative this week has been that I don't think Emery is up to the job on a long-term basis. Um, one of the points that I made is that, you know, and I think that you've made in previous podcasts that Emery has been burned by um, player selections um, but somebody raised this on the website today, uh, and it's definitely my view. What yesterday proved is Arsenal don't need another £200 million thrown at that squad to achieve the top four. Um, if, you, if you look at the top six games this season, we've, we've, apart from the Liverpool game away, we've gone toe-to-toe with every big side. We beat Spurs, um, like even the first two games at the start of the season. Uh, which was City, Chelsea, like we were well and truly in, we've been well and truly in all the games this season and deserved more than to to lose the ones that we've lost. And once again, yesterday... We deserved to lose to City, didn't we, on the opening day? But Chelsea, we should have got something. Yeah. Uh, So it it shows, bringing the the best players you have, start them. 
Um, like so, hopefully we'll see more of Ramsey and, and maybe a bit more of an introduction of Özil. Uh, set up a system to either nullify uh, or like attack in a in an interesting way. And I think the other point um, which we were talking about before the game is like the club needs to do something about the fitness of players. Like we've, uh, there's been a massive ramp up of injuries. Um, this season and I don't think it's a coincidence that Emery brought in his own strength and conditioning coach has been dropping double sessions and now we're suffering from fatigue uh, and and injuries along the way hopefully the club can amend that and start paying attention to uh, Burgess and Forsyth because um, Sammy Mottbell said that they've, they've, they're amending the intensity of training sessions because I think they know that they've um, they've overplayed their hand in training yeah, sessions. Just got through Christmas, which is also the worst period. Yeah, but the, the worst period to go in if you've been dropping double sessions in in yeah. the build up and like flogging players. Um, so ho- hopefully this signals um, to Emery that like you know. Your ego isn't the most important at the club. Like, look after key players, keep them motivated, um, and then maybe we'll see a exciting run in for the rest of the season. Still have my doubts. I still think that it's going to come unstuck. Um, but beating Chelsea uh, was exciting, and I think you know. Just, uh, I was reading about Sarri before the game, and even speaking to you know some some of our chat groups. Um, Sarri uh, has a very distinct vision of how football should play and he is so rigid that he will not deviate from that. This is how I play with whatever players that I've got. Um, Whereas you you feel like the point of hiring a coach for Arsenal is that you look at the squad that you've got and you build a system that suits those players. And I feel like maybe Emery took a bit too much of PSG uh, into this season and was a bit too rigid with the system. Instead of going... How can I make Meza work in the system? I know that he is never going to want to defend in the way that I want him to. And how do I make Ramsey, a player who makes these runs and dribbles with the ball in a way that I don't like? How do I how do I work out a system that can adapt to these players? He just sort of went, no, this is my system, even though I don't have the players to work it. And now he's got to January, and I think he's probably realised the club, when they said that I didn't have any money, they they really mean it. So I'm hoping that yesterday was the realisation that he's got to work with the best players that he's got because that's to the benefit of his future and that's to the benefit of his reputation with the fans because, you know, that interview, that car crash interview where he said Arsenal was distinctly different to Moscow, Sevilla and PSG because it's not all about winning was like Wenger, you know, like that was a Wengerism if ever I had heard one. And he doesn't have the same love that Wenger had. And his job was to come in and instill a winning mentality and not make excuses for not winning. Wenger was prescient, wasn't he? All everyone wants is top four now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, Wenger's biggest mistake is that he never doubled down during the good years. He just hoarded money, hoarded shit players. I think if they'd just taken a, a few more punts on some of those big names. more leagues, couldn't they? Yeah, he could have, and um, um, we would have been in better shape. But like, instead of uh, buying the Hazards and the Suarez, is he? You know, he's opting for Schmack and Javinho. Like, he never shifted his view of what uh, what value was. And you just, you know, if he'd taken a few more thirty, forty million pound punts, because he still had an eye for a good player, he just shopped in the wrong market. He'd have loved Guendouzi, wouldn't he? It, well, apparently um, uh, Emery had to reconvince Gwendozi to join because the real reason that he was going to join when in February was because you know he got the Arsene Wenger treatment. So Wenger, Wenger did like him. 
I, you know, also, it, it, on the defensive front, I, we still forget that Mavropanos is going to come back. We all liked him, didn't we? I don't know whether he's in in a in metaphorical death. He's even, become a more exciting player. I can't even remember him. But, no. uh, but my God, if Sven gave us a centre half and two midfielders in a year that could be in the first team for the next five years, find the guy, just pay the guy whatever he wants, give him whatever job title he wants, keep him at the club. Do you think there's um, what's your gut? Is, is there any way back for, on on the Sven Mislintat? Any way he can stay? Do you think? No, I think I think he's finished. It's done. I think he's finished, and, and I think it's um, like you t- 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 tell the tell the story. Me and Matt were um, chatting last week about uh, uh, corporate coups and like telling the the story, the, the Mark Zuckerberg theory. Yeah, I was reading uh, a very interesting business piece, and it was saying talking about the importance of number twos, and they were saying it, one of the most overlooked reasons why it's really important to have a good number two is at some point the shit hits the fan and you need someone who everyone knows and is who is high profile to throw under the bus and one of the reasons that people are saying mark zuckerberg is under so much pressure over everything that's happened with uh with cambridge analytica and russia and all of that he actually had all the, the complete chance to just go we fucked up it was her, Cheryl Sandberg, and she's gone because that's how seriously we take it. And you lose a very, very close friendship, but you keep the value of your business. And in a way, he showed some, uh, some naivety there because he tried to be a good friend and a good person and tried to take the responsibility on himself. And the reality of that has been no one trusts the fucking word he says and it's over for him as, a, as his reputation is in tatters, in my opinion. Uh, and to a to a, uh, a certain degree, I feel like Raúl ha- Raúl has hit the, the reset button again. He's got an excuse when this season for me and everybody goes off the rails. He's going to say uh, we didn't have alignment on transfer strategy. Like we made some big mistakes with players. Um, we need time, and then the season after, you know, it's it'll be year. yeah, it'll it'll be first year or it'll be Emery wasn't the right decision. It's that's a that's Gazidis an Ivan Gazidis decision. Then he'll bring in his own manager, which will no doubt be an app. It'll probably be Luis Enrique or someone ghastly like that. And then you sort of you get into the like these sorts of d- directors um, come in with the mindset of just surviving four or five years, making as much money as they possibly can, and then exiting and then going back to Spain. In my opinion, um, so and we're sitting here at the moment. Um, when uh, the Rams are playing, what's the Rams score? Uh, and it makes me sick. It's like he, he, Stan's had this club, what, three, three, four years? Well, he's had it for a lot longer, but he's had it in LA for, for not very long at all. And he could be about to go to the Super Bowl with a young, innovative coach, uh, like a, a, a setup that's built around playing explosive, exciting NFL football. Maybe he needs to move Arsenal to uh, West London. Well, wouldn't wouldn't or the New York? Yeah, wouldn't the absolute dream be that he wins the Super Bowl and then decides that he's going to invest uh, in Arsenal more this summer? He pays attention. He's like, I've won the Super Bowl. Now I need to. Uh, well, it looks like yeah, the Rams are winning twenty six twenty three at the moment. So the Rams could be going. They could be going to the Super Bowl. So this is this is this is my point. It's like um, it's it's like 
trickle-down ambition. If Stan really wanted Arsenal to be the most exciting club in world football, all he has to do is snap his fingers and build everything around creating uh, that sort of environment. Like, you look at the, the way Dortmund have done it. Like, they knew that they couldn't compete with um, the Bayern Munichs of the world, so they recalibrated their strategy to something that they could win at, and that was... Uh, being the best club in the world for young players to go to. So they've got all of these sort of tactics that they adopt to find value. And the craziest thing at the moment is it looks like uh, the Bundesliga is finding value in young English players that can't get a start. Uh, Hudson-Odoi going to Bayern Munich. Is that happening? Uh, He wants it to happen. He hasn't signed a new deal. Um, Jadon Sancho, uh, 9 million quid worth 90 million and it's like Arsenal could adopt a richer version of what Dortmund are doing create an environment the best place for young players in the Premier League to go and play Theo Walcott Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain yeah we just types of players chose us over Aaron Ramsey chose us over Man United Chelsea because they knew they'd play yeah we just lacked the ability to to push on yeah so um, (laughs) maybe we'll watch the Rams game now yeah, let's, uh, we're going to finish up the Rams game, get ourselves really depressed, but maybe in the hope that Stan gets a taste for Champions, the Champions League after, the after winning this. Champagne. Yes. Uh, okay, all right. Well, um, that wraps up the show. Um, remember to um, follow us at LaGrove uh, on Twitter. Um, leave a rating. It's 2019. I hear that, um, that you all want to leave a five-star rating because that would be lovely. Um, and make sure you tune in for next week's edition. Uh, On that note, I will say thank you, Matt. Thanks, Pete. And we'll catch you next week. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.